Bobby. Inch on. Coming to you, not together. So separated. Yeah, we're so actually trying something new uh, where we are going to do our Cronus cast together, but uh, over technology. And then we're going to edit it together and put it together for you guys. We're just not going to add too many soundtracks that drown out our beautiful voices, as was a critique that we took from a listener, and we'll put that into the uh, podcast program from here out. Yes. So, I don't know. What are you going to talk about today, Sean? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think the best thing to start off right now is either the Lord of the Rings or weather. I think both of those topics are well within our realm of discussion. I was actually going to go with uh, asking you how law school went since since this was your first week of law school, right? It is. Uh, it was good. Thanks for asking. Really a ton of reading, but there wasn't anything that I've read thus far that made me think that I made the wrong decision trying to come here. Uh, after eight years of being in the Army, it was really nice to kind of push the pause button here and be motivated to learn some new topic and, and join another profession. So really, really pleased with where I'm at and uh, it's really exciting. That's cool, man. Uh, how do you feel about your peers? I think the peers for the most part are broken up like 50% have work experience, 50% don't. The ones that are coming straight out of undergrad, I think there is a emotional immaturity with some of them not to take away from some of their brilliance, but understanding when a teacher's framing a question and it might be rhetorical not to lash out with, you know, emotion or let the teacher see whatever you thought of that question on your face or how others might have interpreted uh, a reading that we did. And then the others that have some sort of maybe a professional development after they went to undergrad and coming back kind of understand and are a little bit more mature and it kind of goes back to what we talked about with empathy and being able to know what someone else might have gone through or what they're currently going through and shaping how you interpret and interact with one another and I, I think it's a really cool breakdown of student groups and I think it's going to kind of carve a, a wedge into you know how people interact with one another for the remaining of the semester yeah what's the uh the demographic for your class like We've got 361. Jesus. It's a large class. So there's going to be a big curve. I just don't want to be on the back of it. Um, it's probably 50% men, 50% women. Average age is 25, maybe 24, yeah. 25. But a ton of diverse backgrounds coming to the school. Being in New York City kind of like the center of all that anyway it's it's been a lot of fun in fact i spent yesterday volunteering up in the bronx with the uh black lawyers student association i think that's what the uh -huh. acronym was uh, but we went up there and helped with a back to school event which was a ton of fun got to be introduced to a few of the one and two and three L students at law school. Uh, for those uh -huh. of you listening, one uh, L, two L, three L are just the the year designators that law school goes off of, like a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior type thing. 
but it was a lot of fun going up to a different borough in New York. I'm I'm clearly very new to the city. I don't know anything about it. So getting on a different subway and really being able to hang out with kids all day was a really cool experience. And I'll definitely take advantage of volunteer opportunities from here out. Yeah, that's one thing that uh, my school is actually really good about because um, our school was kind of founded for our med school was like founded on service. So like we uh, do, we were required to do service every year. Then we had to do like 40 hours of service every year as part of our curriculum. It's like mandatory for us. But it's actually kind of cool because earlier, I think it was last week, our school won the national award for service of all the medical schools in the United States. Holy no big shit. Deal. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. But uh, I mean, but you really were cool. really, you were really big though in that, was it, was it humanism? Uh, yeah. The, the topic that your school really tries to, to hit home? Yeah. So like, because uh, we have like a, there's a gold humanism society. It's like an honor society that like that recognizes med students that are uh, very humanistic in their uh, care and profession. So I was actually pretty lucky to get recognized for my entire class for being one of the like quote unquote leaders in humanism in, our, in my class. It was a pretty cool honor. But uh, it's pretty like at our school. Uh, it was actually also cool for me because we started a uh, a veterans homeless. We started volunteering at this homeless veterans shelter. One of my classmates and I kind of like led that charge and then started our own volunteer organization. That's pretty you cool. Guys, you, do you guys have something similar at Fordham? Yeah, we have a the veterans program here focuses on VA claims. Yeah. I think is one of their major obstacles they want to tackle because we've got two VA hospitals within the city separated by a couple zip codes and ensuring that veterans that have gotten out or made the transition have all opportunities available to them. And, you know, I just got my rating and reading through a lot of the jargon, especially now that I can see when they're referencing cases or when they're referencing other precedents that they use, it would be very confusing if I didn't have the opportunity of reading some of my my law uh, texts now. So that's something that I'll hop in with those guys and yeah. hopefully do something this semester to help out. So like it's like you guys are providing like legal ser- like free legal services slash advice for veterans. Is that what it is? Yes, it's free legal service and advice for veterans, and we have like a number of. Of clinics that will be set up that the law school maintains among them are urban development and housing and that's the same thing when you have a uh, a minority group which the, the veterans fall under ensuring that they have equal and fair housing prices uh, governor cuomo up in new york recently signed uh, something to the effect of you know veterans won't be charged late fees when they're paying tuition costs um, because he understands that sometimes the VA or other entities that are paying the, the tuition costs are sometimes not in line with when the semester starts. Yeah. So there's a big veteran presence in New York city and then amongst the the legislature in the state. And and that's something that Fordham is going to look into and hopefully some of the other uh, campuses but switching from the law school thing, man, you go down to San Antonio pretty quick. You excited for that chapter? Uh, it'll be okay. Like uh, when I went to Fort Lewis, like Fort Lewis is like my number one in terms of my future residence choices. 
but San Antonio is supposed to be like the number two. I don't know. It depends on who you ask, like in terms of the better program, but they have a pretty good program down there. It's a bigger hospital. They're a level one trauma center. Uh, the only the army's only level one trauma hospital, so it'd be interesting, kind of like to check it out and see what their program is like, uh, just seeing how they do things down there. But it's definitely so still like hot, though. so hot. Yeah, but it's but I actually learned from Washington. So like in Washington, I stayed on post in the on post hotel, but this time I said fuck it, you know I'm going to go. So I got a hotel downtown, like literally on the river walk <laughs> for per diem rate. So I'm maxing out the per diem rate. <laughs> But it's, it's like it's super Hashtag convenient because, yeah, like San Antonio, downtown San Antonio is like 10 minutes from Post, So it's like pretty nice. I had but no idea like, that we even had a, you know, that was like a duty station assignment for anyone. Yeah. Joint Base San Antonio. Uh, it's an Air Force Base, too. It's like the. So, you know, Lackland? it's going to be nice. Is it Lackland Air Force Base is there? Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I. Uh, of the places to get stationed in Texas, I, I don't know what's worse between Bliss and Hood, but if yeah. that was an option, then I think that's way better. I mean, at least San Antonio has good sports teams. They've got a Six Flags. They've got great food. Uh, I don't. I can't say if they're centrally located. I forget where all the cities are in Texas, but fast yeah. speed limits. Yeah, it's like uh, apparently Fort Bliss has like a really good army hospital in terms of the surgery program. It's supposed to be really good, but I have like zero desire to live in Fort Bliss or live in El Paso. That's awesome. Do you take advantage of the uh, weekend wonderful weather? Go on that picnic. Yeah. So yeah, I've just been kind of hanging out this past week. Uh, we come back from, after we got back from uh, New Hampshire last week. Uh, I went to the Poconos last weekend, and this past week, I just kind of chilled out at home. Like, got back to working out, meal prepped, uh, did some work for school. I'm actually on a, uh, like, a quote-unquote reading elective. Basically, what I did is I found one of my mentors, surgery mentors at school, and I just asked him if I could work with him for this reading elective. <laughs> and all I'm doing is just reading a textbook. So I just read for the last, just read, like, five chapters of the book this past week. But it was pretty good. I was actually pretty actually pretty interesting because it's like um a surgery textbook so it talks about like a lot of the basic sciences that go into why we do certain things and it's just kind of interesting to learn about everything well that's pretty cool i mean you got that subject that you're definitely interested in and now that's it's continuing to open up for you um as you head back to the army but yeah most importantly that final year of school coming up yeah it's, it's interesting because, like, uh, it's like the, the Dunning-Kruger effect. Have you ever heard the Dunning-Kruger effect? Why do I know that name? It's, uh, it's like, the, it's like the, uh, the idea that, like, as you – so imagine the X – like a graph. The X-axis is, like, knowledge. Oh, and the yes. Y-ax- yeah, the Y-axis is, like, the perceived knowledge that you know. And, like, the, when you know a little bit, you think you know a lot. But as you learn more, you realize that you know less and less and less and need to learn more and more and more. Uh, but that's kind of like how I feel with medicine, especially medicine. Just like I thought I knew a bunch of medicine starting like finishing this last third year. But then like going to uh, Fort Lewis in the hospital, working in the hospital, I realized like how little I knew and how much I need to learn still. It's like crazy. Yeah, we did. We actually had to do a reading on that as well because a lot of these students will come in having worked as paralegals or right. will have parents that are lawyers. And 
they have an idea of what it entails or they have friends that are a year or two ahead of us. And that was one of the things that they stressed. I don't remember them citing the name of the effect, but they stressed that messaging of you will always feel that you don't know once you start developing your educational base in the profession. Yeah. But it's like when you're a novice, you think you know more than you are. You think you're like an expert in the field until you actually like learn more and then you realize you don't know anything. But that's like the thing that applies like everything too. I see it all the time in like fitness in the fitness space about like how people when they just learn how to like once they're like a year into working out, they think they know everything and then like they learn more and then realize how little they do know. It's Which was not how Kernisfit was founded. We are not a bottom dwelling Instagram company that profits yeah. off that at all. Absolutely not. But I thought it was kind of interesting to think about how much like I need to still need to learn and to like master because it's not because you have to know like so much for surgery. So it's just like kind of daunting almost to think how much I have to learn still. I think what's cool though is beyond that knowledge dump that a lot of schools will test, especially like an undergrad or in high school curriculum. I feel like where you're at, you know, towards becoming that that surgery doc is you're going to be taught now how to go and find the references and go and find the data to like sharpen whatever axe you're about to use or whatever yeah. you're about to grind. So it's less that you have to retain these thousands of pages of surgery notes and more so, okay, I've got 70% of it. Now I'm going to go and research and how do you properly research? Right. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing that the big, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways that I learned in med school is like how to learn, how to like look stuff up and how to actually like read material and read studies. Cause I think people like, uh, get, get trapped in this, like reading a single study and think that it's like, Oh, this is like proof that this is exists or like, this is like legitimate without actually like reading the paper and understanding the, the science behind it. And then like seeing if it's like a well written study or if it's like an actual legitimate study. Cause that's like, I think, I think that's like a, uh, a failure in the fitness space and the like kinesiology space is that all these studies that they do in like exercise science are so underpowered. It's like, it's like an end of like five or like 10 people. Like the effect size is so small. You can't extrapolate any of this information out. Oh yeah, a- absolutely. And it, and it becomes so difficult if you needed to articulate that, uh, that at the end of the day, you're just left drowning because all that bulk information you couldn't process any of it yeah and it's like not even, they're not even like good studies for the most part because they're like very small studies that you know the results might happen just from pure chance because of how small the study is so like reading think, like a lot of medical studies has shown me or taught me how to like how i should appreciate and evaluate studies now we can also probably connect that too to the military because like you're coming from FA, me coming from infantry, there's always all this doctrine that they expect you to manage and understand, whether it's, you know, the Ranger Handbook, 7-8-321. And for a lot of infantry guys, what I saw is they'd be able to regurgitate, okay, this is exactly how you do a squad ambush, a platoon ambush. But at the end of the day, if they had to throw a variation on it, given the environment that they were in, or maybe a lack of the weapon systems that were available, they they couldn't come up or uh, find another way to do that exact same mission set. Like, there's always ways to skin a cat. 
Yeah, dude, tell me about it. And, like, that's my biggest pet peeve in, like, med school and medicine is, like, there are a lot of, like, really – like, actually, like, I can't say a lot. Like, they're all really smart people. But, like, they're all smart in the fact they know how to, like, memorize books and can regurgitate information. So, like, this one kid that I worked with at Lewis, this kid was probably pretty fucking smart in that he, like, knew all the, like, all the book answers. But as soon as they, like, asked him, like, a question that wasn't found in a book or, like, required some critical thinking skills, he gave, like, no idea and couldn't, like, connect two and two together, you know? But, like, not to, like, to my own horn, but I think I have, like, I don't necessarily know a lot in terms of, I don't, I just never been a fan of memorizing information or memorizing books. So I've never been really good at, like, memorizing the facts. But I have, like, I think that I have a better appreciation or better ability to, like, uh, critically think and to, like, logically reason things out. I think, like, in a lot of, like, life, that's, like, more important is being able to to just logically or critically think about something instead of just being able to regurgitate the facts. And I think as people age, that becomes even more prevalent within that that society. And it kind of, we can bring this back to the Cronus Scholars Program. Uh, going back to school now and, and you being in school, I have a much better appreciation of who I am as an adult of who I am as a student and what direction I want to take my career. It's one of the things that while I was an undergrad, I didn't appreciate the lessons that I was being taught in the classroom because I was too immature and just said, okay, I'm going into the army, whatever. And then now coming out of it, there is, I have a, uh, a larger drive and uh, I guess more of a prioritization of what I want to accomplish for the rest of my life. And so for everyone that's like trying to think of ways that they want to get out, I think military personnel are for the large part very successful once they get out of the military because of those things, the discipline, that drive and that commitment to a set of principles that carries through the civilian world. So if you're looking at going back to school and you need those resources, you know, you can hit up the Corona Scholars Program. And if we don't know the answer, we'll, we'll direct you somewhere and put our resources to use to make sure you get that answer that you need. Because veterans in school, uh, I've got a couple in my class, are for the most part really prepared and have a game plan for how they're going to be successful, you know, getting that degree. Yeah. I think a lot of schools nowadays are starting to recognize how important it is and how important military service is. Uh, Even from, like, a hiring perspective, I know, like, a lot of companies, not just from, like, a like give back to veterans but like they actually recognize that veterans have like you know some inherently different qualities about them that make them better employees of our students than the average applicant and i think one of the real difficult things because i went through the transitions program at carson which was fantastic because they taught you how to write resumes how to update your linkedin a lot of veterans pigeonhole themselves in this program management position that they see because for the most part it doesn't take too much subject matter expertise in whatever field that they want to enter it's simply being able to catalog organize and then subsequently develop tasks for any number of topics or fields that they might enter whether it's going to you know a hospital and working admin even though that's now its own separate degree program in a lot of schools or it's going and working at a warehouse or for Amazon for Facebook a lot of these companies that junior officers or senior NCOs will go and pursue. At the end of the day, if if veterans are so focused on just that one aspect of their experiences that they got from the military as far as leadership is concerned, 
that they're missing out on, you know, 90% of the other opportunities that they have because there are so many other skills that make military service advantageous in industry. What what kind of industries do you think that would be more applicable in? Cause, I mean, like when I think about like civilian jobs coming from military, like I think about project management or like consulting or like the two things that I would have probably gone into if I hadn't gotten in medicine. No, absolutely. And that was one of the things that, that I was looking into. Uh, I've got some Ranger buddies that have gone into the consulting route, yeah. um, some that have gone into banking. And all that took really was just being able to identify the skills that would be necessary in basic interview format questions like, hey, develop present value and future value uh, functions. If you have to do cost-benefit analysis, just show us how you got that answer with these different percentages that we assign to risk. The guys that will go and they get out and they work for really large distribution channels like the Amazons um, end up finding that when they, they get to a spot, they're really just focused on managing people. Now, managing people is a really important aspect in any profession, and it's much easier for military personnel because you're provided more leadership opportunities than the average person coming through an occupation. So by the time you're 28 to 34, say, when a lot of people decide to get out, these soldiers, they've already got the opportunity to, to lead upwards of 120 people or on a lower end, 35 people. And when they go and work jobs, now they're just looking at personality management and that not the skills or that education base that was built on as a result of service. So if industries that you're looking at going into, you know, swing for the fences, look for the places that would need uh, intelligent thinkers like a policy or, you know, like a RAND corporation or someone that works around what we already know as soldiers, rangers, and veterans in the community that, hey, these are how policies shape uh, forward action in militaries. Um, this is how policy shapes the training back at home. So there's obviously limited opportunities for guys to take up that kind of a position because it's competitive, but that is just one area in which someone can pursue. Another one, and, and we're obviously the product of it, but if you get out and you don't know exactly what you want to do for, I, I don't know what the percentage would be, but let's just spitball and say 60 to 80% of the people getting out have the opportunity to use either partial or full GI Bill benefits if they haven't already passed them on to someone else. Uh -huh. With that, if you say, hey, I'm going to invest in myself in the short term and go back to school, which is a very difficult decision, especially if you have a family that you have to support, knowing that, hey, my full tuition is probably going to be taken care of if I go and research the school that has a full matching yellow ribbon program. So the only thing I'm worried about is just kind of day-to-day -day costs, and I can take out a much smaller loan than even my peers that are entering after undergrad. Then after two to three years, you are way more marketable because you've either earned your undergrad, your master's in business or master's in a subject, um, you could go and pursue a nursing degree. So you have to make that investment. And that's where we go back to the cost-benefit analysis. If you can assess in your current situation that I can afford two years where it's more difficult for a much longer-term 
return and a higher yield based off of a degree that I've earned. That, that's something else that I would very significantly recommend to uh, listeners that are thinking about getting out and whether they want to pursue a job or, yeah. uh, you know, build their educational base. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess the biggest thing is just like to have a plan. <laughs> oh, yeah. This can't be done like I'm going through SFL tap and uh, I'm out in three weeks. What do I do next? This has to be like uh, a year in advance. Yeah. Oh, at, yeah. And that was one of the things I always remembered when people would be getting out. It's almost like six months out. They were they were ghosts. You would never see them. And I was like, why is this? so difficult to get this person on the phone. Why are they at their desk? And then going through it myself, it was really eye-opening because you have to spend so much time with these hard decisions. Am I going to travel here for an interview? What interview uh, attire do I need to go and procure? What kind of things do I need to be reading? So when I go and get you know, seated in front of somebody, if I talk about the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, you name it, whatever the current events are, I'm read up on it. So it's spending a lot of time preparing and developing yourself for something much different than just getting up and saying, hey, I'm a leader because I took these guys through a live fire or I took these guys through a deployment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's always, I think, the biggest thing is, like, to start early and to, like, really evaluate what you want to do. Because I know, like, when I was an FSO, like some of the guys that I have when they were getting out, they're like, I don't know, I'll figure out when I get it out what I'm going to do. And I'm like, dude, that's such a waste. You're wasting and like really rolling the dice on what you're going to do. No, it, it, absolutely. And I think we could, if you really wanted to tie this one to something that I really know is going to stick, when we had to see Gandalf come up with how we were going to destroy the one ring, he decided to look forward and say, hey, we need to get a company of men, elves, and dwarves together with the halflings known as the hobbits. And once we get to Rivendell, we're going to separate. And how are we going to get to Mordor? So that, I just think that is uh, completely topical and you know, worthy of a comparison. Comparison, yeah. Uh, what, why are you on this big Lord of the Ring kick right now? Dude, I don't know. I spent my Friday night in... There was a, a big event for all the new law school students to go out, and I, I decided that instead I was going to sit on my couch and watch the two towers. Uh, oh which, you didn't go out with your, you didn't go out with your classmates. No, I I got sucked in on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it, man. I sat down and I was like, well, I, I've got to listen to it. Uh, you know, if if I'm going to sit here, I'll sit through all of it. Uh, who is gonna Who is gonna turn that down? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I guess that's valid. I think when I like started med school, uh, I didn't really ha- make a lot of friends. And my, I still actually am not really friends with a lot of people in my class. They're just more so like people that I'm acquainted with or like, like associated or like am friends with, but I'm not like good, good friends with them. I, so I think it's I difficult like, though. That's how I feel it, yeah. It's like it's difficult. I I listen to people and their stories, and there's a part of me that's like, great story I'll, I'll ask because i think it's polite and they're polite with me but I, i'm not looking it's at like, any like anybody here beyond like all right i'll study with you all right i'll sit in class next to you but on saturdays like that's my day to reset sundays we're in the thick of it with the programming getting it up on the apps getting it on the website getting the podcast yeah. put together so there's not much time that I would spend to go and try like one of the 2000 pizza joints in New York city with them. 
yeah it's like i think it's like the shared interests too uh not to get me wrong i'm sure like i share a lot of the same interests with like a lot of my peers in med school but it's just like a lot of them like don't really work out not a lot of them are like really into kind of like like deeper things rather than like the superficial like you know what i'm talking about oh 100 uh, percent. that's that's completely accurate and like even at that that volunteer event that i was just at yesterday there were you know some people that were there volunteering that after an hour decided before it even started getting busy okay like you know i've been here an hour check the block gonna take off and there were a lot that were there saying the event's far from over we've got a great opportunity here to connect with the community. Uh, the big thing was just having fun with the kids that were coming through, getting them excited to go back to school, teaching them yeah. these different sports and these different events that generate uh, team play and um, you know good sportsmanship. And that was the kind of thing that like I just bought into and had a lot of fun doing it. But there's a lot of disingenuous people, I think, yeah. in, in school in general because a lot of it's just resume padding. Oh, 100%. It's like the uh, the self-interested people are like the people that like go out, like do things for like selfless reasons. Like, I don't know. There's some, especially in med, like med school, I'm sure it's similar in law school that people just do things because they think it's like to build a resume or to like have a better future job instead of doing something because they want to do something. Oh, 100%. And you can go down into the... Uh like the basement of my law school, and they have a ton of these uh, public interest uh, resource center groups, which is fantastic because there are so many for uh, students to go and join. But the problem is, it's like in high school and undergrad, you want to get involved because it looks good to colleges. Well, when you get to law school, if that's not your passion, if, for instance, like I want to get involved with IRAP, which is the International Refugee Assistance Project, after going to Afghanistan multiple times and seeing the people in that country and talking with the interpreters and guys that are in the Afghan Special Operations that are trying to get over here, like that is something important to me. But people yeah. will join it thinking, okay, when I graduate in two years, three years from now, companies are going to look at this and say, hey, what service he has, what great dedication to something you know, he was able to do, but that's not the case. And in, in reality, yeah. all, all employers are looking for is like, what was your GPA? What kind of letters of recommendation do you have? And unless you have something critical of critical importance that you can point back to and say, Hey, I helped out this uh, public interest group by doing X, Y, or Z, they're going to know that it wasn't for, you know, real reasons you joined the organization. And, and that's one thing, yeah. again, as you age, and I think if you go to school later in life, you have a much better appreciation and then you can focus exactly how you attack these elements and you get into a leadership position. Right. 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 Like being authentic too. Absolutely. And, and those, if you think that people around you don't notice it, that you're being inauthentic, you're just very naive and, and fooling yourself because it's, it's clear <laughs> as day. Oh my, yeah. Dude, when I was in Washington, I, uh, the hospital was, it was so bad. Like there are two, there are two types of people I hate in this world more than anything. One is a, is someone that's fake. And the other one is a buddy fucker. And like some, half the people I work with are like really good people that I really enjoyed working with. And I'm talking about like med students, like half the med students, like I really liked and they were like awesome to work with. And the other half were fake buddy fuckers that like literally 
all they wanted because like when we we're in, doing our away rotations during uh this year they're all like audition rotations where we kind of show up to the hospital and like in pr- prospective program like programs that we want to go work for and then like half the med students like during this like four week block you like want to make a good impression and show like the the program that you're a good person and that they like they should want you but like a lot of the students like kind of shoot themselves in the foot because they like come off as this like fake person that like really is like not authentic and it's just like dude like if i can see through it in like two days of knowing you i'm sure that the residents and all the like attending all these surgeons are going to see like okay this person isn't like authentic and they're just trying to show like a different face just to like get accepted the program that's like the one thing i hate it's like people like I, I don't know if it's like a maturity thing or just like not being aware, but like if you're pre- presenting this image of yourself that isn't who you actually are, you're not you're not only doing a disservice to the program, you're like doing a disservice to yourself too by trying to sell yourself as somebody you're not. And I just think I they haven't know. had an opportunity yet to go through a, a like a selection type event or some sort of event where they get real positive feedback that isn't just kept to you know, the focus of, oh, you did really good in this class. And it's like, no, you suck. Here's your feedback. You're not selected. Yeah. So I think yeah, once people like, get that experience, it's going to be much different for them. But I don't think people ever get that experience in like regular life, you know? <laughs> no, I, and I don't think they would. It's so good. And it goes back to kind of being in the military is a really unique opportunity uh, for people to take advantage of, of those leadership opportunities and then go forth and do good things yeah like that's something that i was going to talk about in one of my podcasts talking about like being a good dude and like being authentic because that's i think more important than anything else that you could do oh being a good dude is is great i mean oh he's the short crossfitter what's his name uh what's his name he's short he's a seal He's everyone's favorite. Goggins? Josh Bridges. Oh. <laughs> I was talking about Goggins. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah. Jo- Josh Bridges, the SEAL. You know, he always talks about, you know, be a good dude, pay the man, just do the right things at, at the right time. Yeah. Um, but speaking of, of SEALs, you know, they just got rid of the whole, you know, kind of cowboy lifestyle. Like, now they have to go back to uniform inspections. Yeah, I saw something haircuts. on, like... Yeah, so something like on Facebook that they had to go back to haircut inspections. <laughs> Dude, yeah, that, that entire community, the whole the whole mass spec war community is like they need to get like clean house. That's like a toxic organization. I just think it's too bad that it's gotten to that point because there are so many individuals that commit themselves to that organization, yeah. and then you have this pirate mentality. And I I can only speak from my few interactions with them uh, at Bagram that it's a different breed. It's a different level of professionalism. It's not my cup of tea, but it's a really cool mission set that they have and they play an integral part within JSOC. But at the end of the day, it like, I feel like I am on on the opposite side of a yin and yang circle there with how they prepare for missions, how they interact with others and there's some really great dudes. Like I've met like a couple that you would have no idea were members of that community because they don't tell you about the book that they recently wrote. But yeah. for the most part, you just you get a couple bad apples and then that's gonna be the lasting impression someone has. 
So yeah. it's it's very important that people represent a community uh, beyond representing themselves. Yeah. Cool. All right. Any other closing comments? Anything else we can talk about today? Oh, yeah. Uh, people have been asking us a lot uh, per programming. If you're getting ready for ranger school, should you do a running-focused program or a bodybuilding-focused program? And the answer is a running-focused program. Unless, like, you are super, super good at running and doing 25-minute, five miles, but you can only do, like, six push-ups. Like, maybe switch it up then. But for the most part, do a running program, a rucking program, body weight stuff, because ranger school is not going to care what your deadlift, your curl... Yeah, your glute ham raise looks like if if you can't pass the, those minimums and then maintain that standard for sixty two plus days as you start to atrophy. Oh yeah, I think yeah you have to you have to train for the task and train for the test. Like there's no point in training for something incorrectly. Like there's no point in like mag getting like a five hundred pound squat. Cause five hundred pound squat is not gonna help you. I guess significantly like <laughs> during ranger school. No, not not at all. And like even going through RASP two, I think that was the first time where it was like, okay, you have to have a healthy balance of some weightlifting. And by some, yeah. it's primarily just hips and hams um, to get you you prepared there for that kind of movement under kit and tension. But yeah. nothing close to you know maxing out your push press or any of those other metrics. Yeah, but hey, have you seen John Wick in? No, I haven't seen it yet. I kind of want to buy it. It's not out. I mean, I'm probably going to download it uh, at some point and watch it, but uh, I I just don't have time to watch movies anymore. I don't have time to do shit anymore besides, like, work for the most part. And yeah, I don't I know how it. you have time to watch movies either. Well, I did my reading for the next week already because I didn't have much to do uh, for orientation, so I, I tried to get ahead of it so I could take advantage of what I planned on doing on going out with my peers and instead got caught up in the battle for helms deep great scene all right um i guess that kind of wraps it up for us for today um any like last pitches or anything from you oh uh i put this plug in the weekly dispatch but fall is coming which means one of few things for me the first is pumpkin spice lattes and the second is the Cronus Fit sweatshirt. It will be cool enough to wear it for school events, for unit events, for unit PT. I'm sure your battalion commander or sergeant major are going on their four-mile <laughs> run every single morning and doing push-ups. They're not going to see you clanging and banging in the Iron Paradise with that thing on. So rock it. Uh, if you wear your Cronus Fit sweatshirt, uh, tag us in the post. Uh, we will send you stickers for uh, right. for that match. So PSLs and Cronus Fit sweatshirts. You wear them yep. if you're still listening, and you tag us. Stickers are going to be flooding your inbox. Absolutely. And then just a plug from me. Uh, leave us a five star review. Uh, drop us a written review on things that you like, things that we could do better. Um, share with your friends let us know what you think uh, we're always looking for ways that we can improve and do the podcast better or just ways that we can improve Cronus Fit experience for you guys uh, as always you can hit us up online at www.cronusfit.org email us hq at Cronus Fit 
or uh, Instagram at CronusFit. Uh, check out our new uh, program, the Get Yoked 25 week program that I wrote. Uh, it'll be a great time. Six months of lifting to make you jacked. All right, guys. Until next time. Jacked. See you guys later. Peace.